0: Welcome to it. It is another episode of Track This with myself Craig Angier, yeah? here and um, I think things are heating up in terms of Formula One and I specifically say that when it comes to the Red Bull camp but we're going to go into details about that during the show. On the show today we have Avon Middleton who is of course our car guru who has just traveled the world to see new BMWs and he's back with us on the show. Avon, how are you doing? <laughs>
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for that uh, very energetic intro. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm glad to be back. It's good to be home.
0: It's good to have you home. Whilst we have you for two seconds, how was it like driving the brand new BMWs?
1: So apart from extremely tiring, we drove a BMW XM, which is um, just quick news. It's BMW's first standalone M car since the 70s. So it's not based on any other BMW. and then I drove the BMW M2. Beautiful, short start, very feisty little thing. And that was just, that was really good. We, we had a manual, so we were very busy behind the wheel. And um, yeah, those will go to Top Gear Magazine in one week's time.
0: Oh, very exciting. All right, now that we've given BMW enough of a plug, um (laughs) we're excited to see those cars in South Africa and if you want to check out those articles like Avon says make sure you go to Top Gear Mag SA all the details will be there Um, and then Matthew's joining us in a couple of minutes but first I think Avon let's get into some of the news that's been going around and the fact that Lewis Hamilton or at least one of the foundations that Lewis Hamilton supports is going to be making some serious money after the, the the comments that PK made and the the lawsuit that's come out of it. Now, I know, Avon that you wanted to chat about this one because it's actually really good that we're highlighting things like this and it is being brought to attention and the people that are guilty in the situation are getting fined.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to highlight when there are consequences. I think so often in sports... Racism happens all the time. It happens behind the scenes. It happens on the pitch. Uh, it happens in the change rooms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It happens between fans and, and sports people. And I think so often nothing happens. And so in this case, and the reason that I think it's good that the story has come out, and I think it's good that there is a consequence for the PK uh, um, camp, if I could call it that, I think it highlights the fact that if we are serious about ending racism, and if Formula One is serious about ending racism, then we need to have consequences. And we can discuss whether you know, call it a million dollars, just under is is substantial enough. Whether it's punishment enough, you know, that I think is a separate debate. But I think at the at the end of the day, it's certainly not pocket change. And I I hope that it sends a message that at least from a legal standpoint, there are there are consequences. It's not something that we can. You know, just sweep under the bus and yeah. and pretend it's fine. And if you know Formula One's big on ending racism, it's a strategic objective. It's a strategic uh, marketing message. Um, it's not just Lewis Hamilton that's you know fighting for equality and fighting for um, you no know, racism in sport. You know, the, the actual sport itself is also fighting for it. And so I think yeah, these are things we need to highlight and we need to talk about. And um, uh, Nelson Piquet Senior needs to needs to do what he needs to do and hopefully that's uh, helpful to the rest of the community and the future of, of sport and formula one
0: you know what and the fact that the money that is being or being given which is nine hundred and fifty three thousand odd dollars it's going to charity as well which is even better
1: yeah i think what's good about that is it's not lewis getting on his high horse and you know wanting some money for himself you know what i mean yes it's it's beyond that and i think that's i think that's very good
0: all right let's move away from that and let's move to saudi arabia and Avon, i specifically wanted to ask you this question because i know that you will break it down into simple terms for us There have been so many penalties going around. We saw it with Esteban Ocon in um, the first race, and now we saw it with Alonso in the second race. Can you break down the penalties that Alonso got? Obviously, the first one was a blatant. He wasn't in his, his, um, his box on the grid.
1: Yeah, so for whatever reason, in 2023, the FIA is coming down hard on slightly misplacing your car in the grid slot. And I think I don't think it'll happen uh, uh, again, because uh, you know in two races it's happened twice. And you know if you look at particularly in Alonso's case, you, you could see he's out of grid position. But mm. I've been watching Formula One a long time. You know, people position their cars differently like that quite a quite a few times. But clearly. Clearly, the rules are being enforced, and um, the FIA is taking this quite strictly. So, yeah, so the penalty was imposed because he wasn't in his grid slot, and they imposed a five-second penalty. Okay, so that was the first order of business. Of course, Alonso then came into the pits to make his pit stop, and the FIA initially deemed it that the guy started working on the car before five seconds was up, specifically because the jack man had his jack on the bodywork of the car. And so they decided, let's do it again, just like they did in the first (laughs) race. (laughs) So they decided to impose this time a 10 second penalty on Alonso, which because of the late stage of the race would be imposed on his final race time, which is why at the end of the day, uh, well actually I shouldn't say at the end of the day, which is why when the race finished, uh, soon after George Russell was celebrating the podium, Okay, so then it gets even more interesting. I think it was, I don't know, three or four hours later. <laughs> it, they, Surprise. I don't know, in their mind. So essentially what happened is the Aston Martin team appealed the call and they were successful. So they basically said a jack touching the bodywork of a car doesn't constitute us doing work on the car, which I personally think is rubbish. But the FIA didn't and the FIA said oops sorry we made a mistake you can have your third place podium back so that's kind of that's kind of what happened in a, in a nutshell i personally think you know a rule must be very clear uh, if you say we can't work on the car maybe just add in that that means you're not allowed to touch the car because this is but formula that's 1 what no, i every, understood. Team, every team will come up with some sort of a loophole if it's not clear enough And I agree with you. Had it not been for this race and had had we not had to actually look into the rules, um, I would have said what it means is you can't touch the car. You just got to wait for five seconds before anything happens.
0: Because in my mind, you always see the guys come out with the air blowers and the cooling systems just to stand there, just to cool the car a little bit whilst it's standing, you know, in the pits. And then only afterwards do the jacks go in and the car goes up.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was a good call, if I'm honest. Um... I think they were right. I mean, if if you know if you're going to be imposing a ban because he's not in its grid slot, then you must Im- you must impose the penalty because they touched the car before five seconds was up. I mean, I, I it's a it's it's kind of a yeah, it, it's a gray area, and I think <laughs> I think the FIA was wrong. They should have just you know George Russell should have kept his trophy and Alonso should have been content with fourth place because it was a team mistake.
0: They're pulling a a card out of Red Bull's um, hat and... Pretty much finding any loophole they possibly can to get around it.
1: Where's Matthew when you need a a
0: rebuttal?
1: (laughs) I agree He'll
0: He'll definitely come in with with a little bit of a rebuttal there. And uh, speaking about Matthew and Red Bull, uh, he's on the line with us. Now, Matthew is an automotive uh, content creator and an all-around nice guy. We've got to talk about what's happening now in Red Bull because... Obviously, I'm really excited. That car is super quick. We're talking a couple of seconds faster in terms of race pace. No one is going to be able to catch them besides themselves. Now, what happens with Red Bull? Where do they start pushing their focus? Are we still pushing our focus on Max or are we moving to Checo?
2: I I don't you see this. This has come up a lot in topic, especially between the Red Bulls and how last race came in. <laughs> Yes, Max, look, the thing is people have to realize that the car was built around Max and Checo seems to be the first person in about three or four years to actually find good form other than Daniel in that car. So he's kind of slotted in where Daniel was when he did his magnificent uh, pool dive in Monaco and Max felt very, very threatened and thereafter, you know, the heat started. So I think Sergio does have a lot what it takes and I think Sergio's now at the place where he has the ability in the car. I think it's just up to the team because, you know, Max has gone two for two. He wants, you know, the triple title. But then you've got Sergio. You know, Sergio is one of the best pairings. Do they let Sergio fight and make it a healthy relationship to say, okay, he can, um, so can Max, and they can go head to head with it being healthy? Or it can be destructive. And I think where they're at now, they can see that they have a lot of dominance over the other teams. So I think Sergio... Definitely can take the fight. He also has a lot to prove. Contract's up for renewal. There's no word of it being extended yet. So there's that. So I think in terms of a driver of Sergio's age, he's got all the muscle and skill and expertise to kind of take it to Max with the right car. And I think they should give it a fair fight. And I think they will allow it. It's just if Max can't deal with it, then I think there'll be some tension. But I think now the next couple of races we'll have to see if he can prove that he's a worthy contender, but he is starting to show it.
0: So there's two, two, two words, and you said it twice, which is why I'm saying two, um, that I picked up out of that sentence, and it was the word healthy. Where yeah. in the history was there a healthy battle <laughs> between teammates, guys?
2: <laughs> no, look, the, the healthy is it, look, healthy is probably the more neutral word. I think for the first time Max is starting to see that he's getting a lot of uh, – dominance in in, in his title contention. So for that, I think, is a surprise for everyone. I don't know the internals um, and how things happen for Red Bull. So uh, whether they play it out to be a a, a Nico and Lewis, does Checo then go into the guns blazing sunset and say, fine, I want to be the Nico Rosberg, win my title and retire because he is at that age? Or Mm. do they let it be healthy because at the same time, like I said, Sergio's contract is at stake and he wants to be an F1. So he either goes out guns blazing or he bows out to be P2. If he does, well, if he's out of contract, then who else is going to want to swoop him up as a development driver for a new team or for an existing team? Um, so it, again, understanding Red Bull like they do, I, I do want to play devil's advocate, but depending on how things are going now, there's some tensions on the rise. And we just have to wait and see. Either Max has matured, like he has with Hamilton. And <clears throat> things no, play he
1: nicely. hasn't. He, he has. He has. He's <laughs>
2: matured a bit. You have to admit it. He's not as hot-headed, but he does have a weird style where he likes to force the car into an, an understeer, even though it looks like he's crashing into someone. But again, it, it's, a, it's a new thing. They've got a winning formula of a car, and they know this. So the fight's between themselves. So... If Max mm. is going to be that person, then it's going to be Nico and Lewis all over again, or it will be a, a healthy fight where they can you know, do things. I mean, look, there's some tears um, in, in the crack of the wall where you know Sergio was asked to do a negative lap um, as compared to Max, and then there was a back and forth. So that radio exchange is very awkward to see, even if you are a fan like me of Red Bull. So whether they iron out their issues, I don't mm. know. Um, but either way, I think it's good because um, personally, as a fan of, of of the sport and as Red Bull as well, I just personally would like to see someone challenge Max because Max has obviously asserted his dominance, and finally, someone's been able to take a sword to his neck to say, "Hey, listen, I've also got a lot to play for."
1: And I just point out that that someone um, only could do that because Max got a penalty. Well, because Max had had a had a, had a A failure in qualifying that's all i'm saying yeah yeah i I just think we we can't say perez you're amazing you know you've taken the fight to max because actually it's too early (laughs) so my point was simply that actually max has this sorted at the moment it's just because he had that q3 issue and started in 15.
2: he does but also we know that in terms of team play it's a very delicate balance for this year because he has to also play ball, because if he doesn't, then Max is going to be helpless if Ferrari start to pick up their act of his mysteriously fine pace. Then there's the wild card of Aston Martin. You've got those two cars that basically have wedged themselves between Red Bull and Ferrari. So it's it's kind of like Sergio has to do his part, Max has to do his part, because if Max, you know, you can't get it right at the car, you know, in terms of constructors, Red Bull will need Checker to pick it up. So as much as I'd like to say it's all fairy tales, I think there's going to be first blood uh, after the street circuits, Um, so after Australia. um, I think that someone is going to draw blood and someone's going to say, okay, cool, this is my position in the team and this is where I stand. And if Perez can't match Max or if Max can't match Perez or whatever, it's going to come down to someone disobeying team orders and someone doing what they need to do. And I feel like I'm not going to predict it, But I kind of feel like at some point in this year, we'll have a Nico and Lewis colliding and taking each other both out Mm -hmm. just because someone is going to say, I am better and I want to prove a point and they Mm -hmm. wouldn't care about team dynamics. So I look, as much as I am ethos in Red Bull, I feel like there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, wheel touching very, very soon.
0: Do you think that this year we are only going to see excitement because there's going to be a battle between the Red Bulls? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no I don't <laughs> what I can say is I'd love it to happen I really would and this is why I'm saying if, if Checo could just become incredibly selfish you know and incredibly bullish in that team even in you know even if he does qualify second you know to be really feisty into that first corner to try to have a different strategy that allows him to get the jump on Max in the beginning, as Alonso did. You know, he needs to to do what he's never done before. Then we'll have a season on our hands that's exciting and has great inter-team rivalry and fighting on and off track and lots of news and lots of stuff for us to talk about. But to answer your question... I just think Max is better, <laughs> and I and I just think I just think he's able to extract more from a really really good car, both in qualifying and in race. You know, Max, he's just got it underneath him. But I think you could have seen it in Jeddah; he was very calm. You know, he wasn't trying to do everything too quickly. He was managing his tires. He was managing his pace. Obviously, he took advantage of the safety car as well. But I you know, I don't think Max broke a sweat in Jeddah. He was he was completely composed and completely calm. And of course to be able to do that faster slap at the end yeah. says something. Um, so no, I, I at this at this stage I think Max has it and we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs>
0: so I will I'll argue one point there. I think he was cool, calm and collected until the press conference and then decided to go all rogue and says, I'm not here to finish second, which was a complete jab at the
1: t- Yeah. But that's Max Verstappen, and to be honest, would you have expected him to go? Oh, wonderful! You know, I'm so happy with the result. You know, it's not Max. He's, he's no, it's not. And and I think the other thing is, if if the safety card didn't come out, we don't know where Max might have ended up, right? Yeah. He he capitalized on that, and I don't know. You look, he possibly would have ended up second anyway, but I think it's because he was so close to winning that he said that Do you know what i mean he could have won yeah in his mind um in all fairness so, he did ask
0: at some stage he did ask over the radio whether you know we're staying like this or we're switching around essentially
1: yeah and look good good on him for playing the game but i i, I just don't think that's going to be a common a common thing it's gonna i think things will switch back to normal let's just remember this is Max finding himself in that position is entirely not his fault. It was it was entirely a technical yeah. problem with the car, and he would he would have possibly qualified on pole position.
0: Yeah, I think so. All right, let's move to the the green snake in the grass is what I'm calling them, and that's Aston Martin. <laughs> um, Aston Martin, obviously, have had great performances over the last two races. Uh, Alonso uh, finished eventually after all the penalties and drama third, um, but. It wasn't the only thing that we saw because Lance Stroll his teammate had quite a few issues with the car as well. Is that kind of uh, an indication of reliability issues or was it just um, an oopsie that happens in a race uh, and it shouldn't happen again?
1: Uh, you know it's hard to say I suppose because it's so early and the power unit in that car is generally quite reliable as we know. So you you know i don't don't know what i guess what we have learned in the past is that any car that is really sort of at the edge of performance yeah you know reliability is going to find its way in because you have to manage the extremes of performance with of course the 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 reliability factor and that's that seems to be what you know i think i think in recent times mercedes sort of Winning era was really that they won because they were so so reliable. In addition to being good, so in terms of Aston Martin, I guess we just don't know. I think they should, you know, I think they should be fine. I, I think they yeah. should be able to figure out um, how to how to bring those cars home uh, with more reliability. I think it was just a. I think it was just hard luck. Um, yeah, just one of those things that happens. Of course, you know, Stroll. Stroll and Alonso, Stroll needs to be careful that he doesn't, you know, fall behind Alonso too much because then, you know, it really starts to show and it really starts to say, well, in the same equipment, is Lance really the right person in that position? I know, I know his family name. (laughs) I love how you preemptively
0: go there because you know I'm going to say that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know, I know. It's just, you know, you don't want, you don't want this two time world champion old bali coming to show you up so badly that people go oh wow you know maybe lance just doesn't have it you know as we you know you know people have made so many excuses for lance he's, he's and i think he's i think he's pretty handy behind the wheel but you know he's gotten the dig about dad's kid he's gotten the yeah. dig about he doesn't deserve the seat but i think he does deserve the seat if i'm honest and i think he drives pretty well but <laughs> now that he's in some <laughs> handy equipment you have to wonder you know I mean Alonso is good but he, you know you shouldn't have that there shouldn't be too much of a gap between your teammate and yourself. So we'll we'll have to just see how that plays out. Let's also give him bit.
0: A, a bit of time. I mean, he's just coming back from his injuries. Um, we've just yeah. started to to get to know him a little bit. So now we feel sorry for him that he's coming back with injuries. So, you know, we've got to give him a bit of time to get into that car and get used to it and be running at 100% again.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll just say that.
0: <laughs> it's my excuse and I'm sticking with it. But someone who doesn't have excuses is Ferrari. We talk about reliability. We talk about a car performing. Both Ferraris decided to take penalties in Saudi Arabia uh, to change components within the car. And it didn't help at all in the slightest. There was no help by changing anything.
1: Ferrari have had a really tough start to the season, haven't they? Um, They they just... You know, in, in Jeddah, Ferrari were the big losers. Mercedes were the big winners in, in terms of the kind of best of the rest scenario, mm. everyone behind Fernando. And I don't, you know, I just don't know. You, you know, I think Leclerc should have been in front of Hamilton, but for a, a slight error in communication between his engineer and himself during that safety car pit window mm-hmm. where you have to say, you know, Lance, uh, Leclerc was complaining that Xavi uh, hadn't told him in time, but at the same time, I'm just going, yeah, but you're also dawdling, you know, like, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It, it's, there's never a good time to have such a big gap between yourself and the car in front of you. No. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So I think that was, that was one of the issues. And I think Ferrari, as we say so often, need to work on comms and communication between you know, <laughs> and engineers and drivers. And then, I guess just they just didn't come to the races either. At no point did that car show incredible pace. I thought Leclerc, once he popped on those softs, would be flying, but he, he really wasn't. Um, and so I think the call was made to just kind of say, guys, bring the cars home. Let's take 6th and 7th and lick our wounds and go to Australia, hoping for a better result. Yeah, They, they just never quite showed pace and anything special, Carlos included.
0: You know what? I know that everyone is talking about these are the first two races of the season. We've still got, what's it, 23 to go or whatever the case may be is. Um, There's still time. There's still changes that are going to happen. There's still upgrades that are going to happen. I just don't see Ferrari bringing it. I don't see Ferrari bringing it and I don't see the Mercs bringing it. I feel like this season is literally going to be between Aston Martin and and Red Bull. And to be honest, I don't think that Aston Martin is gonna bring the fight to Red Bull as much either.
1: So I half agree with you. <laughs> I <laughs> certainly agree that Red Bull is in a in a totally different race league. Uh they they're they're just entirely you know, they're just dominant, unmatched. So really the fight is between the two of them, uh as in Checo and Verstappen as we've chatted about but i I do you know my problem with Ferrari is maybe they're just being mum on what they're doing because clearly they've arrived, and we've done two races, and that car is not up to speed it's It's you know last year Ferrari was neck and neck with Red Bull, and perhaps as the season dragged on their performance weighed, and Red Bulls improved, whereas now they're really on the back foot they're really slow. And I think the worry or the concern is they're not saying why. They're not sort of saying, you know, we we know what's wrong with our car. We're, we're bringing updates in X, Y, Z races. There's, there's not much from a communication perspective mm. that's going on. So I don't know what's happening. Whereas on the Mercedes front, they've been quite sort of, you know, tail between Vocal their legs it, yeah. honest to say, you know what, our car is an absolute shambles and it's even taken us by surprise. Mm. And so we're doing something about it. And what we're doing is we're completely changing the car and completely changing the aerodynamic concept. And, you know, the, we know that Mercedes can do it, not to say they'll take the fight to Red Bull, but they certainly can improve that car quite quickly. So I'm, I'm, I'm buoyed by that. And my hope is that really the, the fight behind the Red Bulls is Aston Martin and Mercedes. I think that'll be really exciting. With Ferrari, I just don't know. And that's a worry
0: you were way too optimistic for me. (laughs) I'm like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm over it. It's done. You know, it's a repeat of last year.
1: Do you know the other question, of course, is whether, you know, Formula One is all about development. And we know that Mercedes can develop quickly. We know that because we've seen it in the past. We know that Red Bull can develop quickly. We don't know if Aston Martin is geared up to develop that car, you know, throughout the year. in in a way that would keep them competitive. Do you know what I mean? They are competitive now. Great. But I can assure you that in four or five races' time, other teams would have improved. Another team that we need to not forget is Alpine. You know, Alpine showed incredible pace during winter testing. And even in Bahrain, they had a really good race. Of course, there were issues with penalties being served. But they really are – I think that car is pretty good. I think they just haven't quite – sort of dialed it in and and maybe with Australia, with a change of conditions, a change of temperatures, a change of track surface, you know, a change of altitude, I think they might have something there as well. So what I'm saying is Aston Martin, I don't think they are in this no man's land by themselves
0: themselves yes and I don't really think that Alpine can I don't know I just don't have it in me I don't have that feeling that they're going to bring it Matt what do you think
2: look I think they've got some time to find their feet especially with Pierre Gasly and Ocon I think Ocon's got a lot to prove because he could lose his seat but I don't know the past two races it doesn't really tell me much but I feel like they just haven't got right with that car yes they've got significant upgrade to it from last year but I there's a big question mark for me. Like, yes, they're a good midfield team, but I don't know if he is up to speed with it and he's with the team. I know it's a good pairing, but I, at the moment, there's just a big question mark for me around them. Yes, they're performing okay, but I think with the likes of Alpha Tyre giving them around for their money sometimes, um, I think they've got bigger things to worry about in terms of just general flow and, and just the whole car coming together with the driver.
0: You know what? I can see Avon's going to put this into his predictions for today and then he's going to annihilate us in Australia.
1: (laughs) No, listen, I didn't say they're going to be on the podium. (laughs) I definitely don't think that. So no. (laughs) If I can just clarify, I just think they are, they are certainly an improved outfit Mm. and, they do have a great car underneath them. I think these last two races perhaps just didn't suit the package and we'll see yeah. what happens going forward. But, you know, the only reason Ocon didn't finish was because he had 78,000 penalties in Bahrain. And so, you know, it is what it is. But <laughs> that, was row, that was just unfair. They're so in the unfair. top nine and 10. And yeah, I just think that the package, you know, I think the package is okay. Yeah. Maybe they're not going to challenge Aston Martin, you know. Maybe they're not going to be challenging for a podium. But I think certainly, given the woes that Ferrari and Mercedes have, they're right there. You know, uh, one of those cars has a has a problem, and they're and they're right there. So. I think they're better than the rest is essentially what I'm saying.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Australia because, um, as Matthew alluded to, we're going to another street track yet again, uh, which is Melbourne. Um, It's always quite an interesting mm, track to be on because – One, Lewis Hamilton loves this track. It works really well. Um, We like seeing newcomers like Oscar Piastri, who are going home, and technically Valtteri Bottas, because he's marrying an Australian, um, well, when he eventually proposes. Um, But it's, it's a really nice track to see and a really interesting track to see. But the question is, now that we've discussed those top teams and who's kind of fighting for the second place, are we going to see anything interesting really happening in Australia, Avon?
1: I think short answer is yes. Australia has never, in my history, dished out a boring race. There's always action on Australia, and I, and I think it's because it's, you know, it's old school. There's runoffs that take you straight into gravel. There are different patches of tar. There are nasty curbs, and uh, yeah, Australia is always absolutely exciting. And I just can't wait. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Australia. Last year was, geez, it was fireworks. We had, uh, we had DNFs, we had crashes, we had safety cars. And, uh, you, you know, speaking of which, Checo had a really good race last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was because Max uh, had a DNF. So, um, yeah, I, look, I'm looking forward to it. Difficult one to read, just in terms of the current climate. Of course, I think Red Bull will be fine, and Red Bull will be uh, sweeping through those corners quite happily. Hopefully, we see a really epic battle between the two Red Bulls. Leclerc had an amazing race there last year, of course, and uh, you know he just he needs the car to be able to do it. You know, I think if 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 anything, my hope is teams that will make a significant sort of um, difference. Is going to be in the midfield and towards the, the the back of the field. So I'm 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 thinking we'll see a resurgent um, Haas team. I think they'll go well there. I think Alpine will go well there. In terms of the big guns, you know, apart from Red Bull, yeah, I think Aston Martin will do well because they have a good package. But in terms of Mercedes, nothing's changed. In terms of Ferrari, nothing's changed as far as I've been able to ascertain. So I don't know but what I what I'm really excited about is you know Melbourne can dish out some very close racing and possibly a safety car or two and then I've been looking at the weather it looks like Saturday might have some rain which could jumble things up in qualifying you know that Red Bull car is amazing we don't know how it performs uh, uh, in wet in setup it, yeah and we don't know the same about all the other cars so you know that could be that could be interesting separate uh, those wet race uh, kings from, from everybody else so that's what I'm looking forward to, I think we're going to have some exciting racing and I think we're going to have some cars in the gravel and uh, we'll probably have a crash or two and that's always, you know, turns out an uh, interesting racing so I can't wait for Australia, I have to say Oh, and Red Bulls' uh, Daniel Ricciardo will be making an appearance. I'm sure that makes
0: you... <laughs> yes, I am ecstatic. I've watched his video of him driving the Red Bulls through the fields in Australia like three times. Amazing. I'm very excited. <laughs> Matthew, let's talk about the two home drivers. Well, one and a half home drivers. And that's Oscar mm-hmm. Piastri and Valtteri Bottas. Um, so the reason why I'm classifying Valtteri as an Australian is because he's now got the mullet which is obviously great. Um, oh, he's he honorary. Is, he's honorary, yes. He's dating uh, an Australian. And I feel like he's also just gotten that chilled out attitude this year, um, which yeah. is very typical of Australians. So let's talk about Oscar and um, Bartas. This is going to be a race for Oscar to really shine because, to be honest, we haven't seen him this season.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, for Oscar, he is a born and bred Melbourneian, So uh, he's got home crowd advantage. But Again, a little bit of an awkward one. I mean, McLaren, I don't know if you saw the headline, snatching up 13 star from their rivals. Um, so McLaren just in a bit of controversy right now, but also at the same time, McLaren have taken a massive blow. So I think in terms yeah. of what's happening for them, they thought they were going to be up there with the Alpines. And so now you've got someone who you never thought would be there. And that's the Williams outpacing them. So McLaren have fallen back quite badly. And then again, for a new driver like Piastri with lots to prove, it's not doing him so well. So we yet to see that talent. He is driving very well. But I think with home ground advantage, it's a low down for a circuit. Um, and also uh, with Albert Park being one of the only circuits, it's a dying circuit, literally, but it's going to be another track with four DRS zones. It might make cars with a higher top end a little bit better for overtaking. So like Red, Bulls. Red Bull, Yeah, the Red Bulls could unleash their one-second advantage, <laughs> but if you skip away from the top three, which is the Bad Bulls, the Ferraris, and the Astons, you've got teams in the midfield. So you've got Mercedes that will fight with the Alpine, which will fight with all the other teams. So I think in a low down a circuit like this, McLaren might be able to pick up some much desperate points and PR that they need, especially considering where they are now. And then you've got Bottas as well. I think you know, he is an honorary um, Australian with his uh, his VB vest. And and I've seen all the antics he's done. And, and Tiffany as well. Tiffany Cromwell, also another athlete, but very, very lovely woman from what we've seen on on uh, social. And she's changed him. But I think as well with mm-hmm. Bottas, again, great driver, lots of talent. But um, from what I'm seeing, Joe's is always outperforming him. But again, he could be unleashed here. Um, The Alfa Romeo is a Ferrari-powered car, so they could unleash some horsepower. But Bottas is a very good, consistent driver. I think he's happy at at Alfa Romeo, but I'm yet to see him fight up um, and rub shoulders Mm. with the Mercedes now because technically that Alfa Romeo should be up there with the W14. Um, But it's just too far back. But then again, it could be down to development. It could be down to reliability. I know teams are a little bit scared of that. Some teams are having weird issues because we had last year with brand new car and brand new changes everybody was sort of hesitant and they said well we can maybe unlock it and then this year unleashing some of the horsepower and and the aerodynamic changes teams are starting to face reliability issues where mclaren mysteriously just losing a front end plate just randomly um (laughs) to other teams having prop shaft issues so again um We'll be happy to see Bottas up there, but uh, I think Bottas' fight is fighters with the Alpines and the Williams. I think if he can nudge his way there, he's also good on street circuits. And he manages Ty as well. Him and his teammate Joe as well, who loves Melbourne, by the way. He's a big bubble tea fan. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think the Alfa Romeo's might surprise everyone. <laughs> you do know that bubble tea is not from Australia, right? I know, but if you go to Melbourne, every second shop, has bubble tea. And Joe Joe even tweeted, he's like, oh, I can't wait to be back in Melbourne. Love all the bubble tea stores. Then he quote tweeted his tweet from 2022 and there he is, bucket hat and everything with bubble tea. I promise you, bubble tea is everywhere in Melbourne. If you've been, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> okay, good. So I need to go to Australia because I'm a big bubble tea fan. <laughs> yes
2: yeah, you will absolutely love it.
0: All right, guys, we've spoken a lot today. Let's talk Predictions. Um, Avon, I'm going to put you up first because I know there's an Alpine coming in here. <laughs>
1: uh, no, there's no Alpine coming in. Um, okay. I mean, I, I'm actually going to be fairly boring. So I think we gonna have a Red Bull 1-2, and that's verstappen Checo in that order. Mm-hmm. And I think in third place, we're going to have a Fernando Alonso. <laughs>
0: again.
1: That is my prediction, prediction, yeah. I just, Mm. I just don't see anything else happening. I was going to go with Leclerc for third, and I might eat my words shortly, but uh, I think, I think Alonso's, I think Alonso's driving incredibly well right now, so I'm going to stick with him.
0: Okay, all right. Um, Matthew, you want to give us yours?
2: Uh, Something that you guys won't expect, so I'm going to go with tradition and a little bit of history here. So, A driver that has always won his 101st race has always gone on to win something significant, and it's always been in Australia. So uh, I think Alonso will be one of the drivers to get his 101st podium career finish, which will put him up Mm. there with all the greats. So I'm going to go with Alonso P1, and then Verstappen P2, Perez P3, LeFleur 4th, Hamilton 5th, Science 6th. So that's me. I know it sounds very weird, but. Matthew's depends.
1: quite. Um, uh, what's the word? Um,
2: Delusional? Oh,
1: geez, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Watch me. Look, I, I don't think people <laughs> realize how much of a fool I am, but trust me when I say that for oh, some reason, sad. just watching the pace of that Aston Martin. Um, it's a serious threat for Red Bull. Uh, so again, like I said before, Red Bull could unleash that one second advantage. But then again, you've got a car that's basically was the pink Mercedes, but now is the green Red okay. Bull. It could also be something of a P1 finisher. And I think with someone like Stroll, Stroll could give Sergio a very hard time and it could be a bully to Verstappen and it could be a side in them. So...
1: Can I just remind you that that car was 25 seconds behind Sergio in Jeddah? Yeah, I know. It's it's just totally, you know. Look, can I just say, I hope you're right. I also think you're delusional, but I hope you're right because it will be fantastic (laughs) for Formula One. It will be great.
2: It will be, but also Ferrari have won 13 times here in Melbourne. So if Red Bull can beat that record, that would also be fantastic because – According to data, Ferrari should win here. According to delusionists <laughs> like me, Alonso should take P1. And also, look, I mean, I'm a Red Bull diehard, you guys know it, but I mean, I'd be flipping excited to see Alonso do a 101 because not many people have done it. Um. So look, considering I know that car is slow, but again, people have made fantastic changes to their cars. I, for one, will go out and say I'm really hoping that Mercedes can find some pace this weekend because that wheelbarrow of theirs is absolutely.
0: What did I don't you know. eat before doing the podcast?
2: Like what? Like. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I, I know what I say. I say what I said. <laughs> but that let's Mercedes see. Mercedes
1: is horrid at the moment.
2: It, it's a wheelbarrow, and I think, I don't know. It, the more and more a seven-time champion becomes frustrated, the more the rumors will start to turn. So if Mercedes can find pace, that's great. They can fight with the Williams if they want to. Um, but <laughs> to be honest, top top three, uh, look, it, it'll be between the the Astons, depending on what they do. But we all know it's going to be Red Bull dominance. But my wild card obviously would be Alonso P1, Max 2, Sergio 3. But I think it'll be flipped. Alonso will probably hit P3, Max to P1, Sergio to P2. But I don't know, for for a little bit of controversy, I just, for some reason, I feel like Alonzo could get a P1. We'll have to just wait till next week where I prove you guys wrong.
0: (laughs) You know what? I think you're you're not alone in this because I was watching a video on social media of one of the tennis players that actually took a red marker and wrote on one of the um, camera lenses, mission 33, question mark, question mark, question mark. So I definitely don't think you're alone here. I think there's a lot of people that are saying that Mission 33 is on the horizon.
2: Yeah, and look, there's also Lawrence Stroll, who's a nightmare. And Lawrence Stroll, considering what he's done for the team, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to pull out every single stop to say, right, okay, our target is podium. Now that we've seen that the car's capable, what can we do in all of our power? to get there so it will be a combination of yes we've got the car we've got Alonso who who can get us there um but now they'll have to work on strategy so be very curious there and and watch this on the weekend uh the Aston Martins are very very clever at sandbagging they don't really have decent paces towards FP1 FP2 then when it gets towards FP3 qualifying all of a sudden it turns up so they kind of did what Mercedes were doing for the last 4000 years um so I feel like (laughs) Look, low downforce circuit. That cars Every single track we've been to has been semi-low downforce. It's a good top end. And the asin has been there. So they could tweak some settings to be the thorn in the side for the Red Bull. Or Red Bull could just say, cool, we're turning up the one-second advantage. Let's go for it.
0: Okay. All right. I like your guys' predictions. They're definitely um, discussion points <laughs> for today. Yeah, one Look, totally to gonna...
1: The other one totally crazy. <laughs> It's <laughs> you know,
0: <in> the middle. <laughs> Look, I was, I was going to go in the same direction as you, Avon. I'm not going to lie. I was going to say a Red Bull 1-2. Um, Max obviously is going to want to put um, Checo in his place. Um, and if the two of them don't take each other out on the circuit, that is definitely going to be what's going to happen. Max 1, Checo 2. Um, and then I was also toying between Fernando and Leclerc. Um, I really want those Red Bulls to come into I mean the the Ferraris to come out and to to give the Red Bulls a little bit of push. Um specifically because I've, I've i am I am a softie for Leclerc. One, he's unbelievably good looking. And two, oh, no, I really think <laughs> two, I really think that he has what it takes and I've I've said this since he joined Ferrari back in the day. Um I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and I think he really can push further. So I am hoping that he does come into that third spot. But if we don't see a Fernando or a Leclerc there, we're going to see a Russell.
2: I will say this to you, Kriya, and you can, you can end on this bombshell, and people will hate me for it, but I stand by it. Leclerc will never win a driver's championship so long as he's at Ferrari. Mic drop. Dun, dun, dun.
1: I agree with him.
2: Oh, he's no, not- what? <laughs> <laughs> based, based on how Ferrari are performing and their strategy... It's simply really the
1: Ferrari. It's not down it's, to anything else.
2: Leclerc phenomenal. Uh, if you put Leclerc in that RB19, if you put him in the Aston, if you put him in any of the top three cars, Leclerc totally. will go toe-to-toe for podium. But the way Ferrari have fumbled, it actually... You feel sorry for Leclerc because Leclerc has been let down by a team that technically could perform and win like they were last year. But again, they missed it by most of the races just because of fumbling. And that's why I say he'll never win there. Until Ferrari can start to see some picking up of the pants and tightening the belts, he's not going to do it with them. I'm sorry. No man, he's, like he's it can be next season. Next season. Uh, maybe that's what, that's what they've been saying. I'm not surprised. Look. Let me tell you this. We've been
1: saying that for decades now, I think.
2: If Hamilton pulls out for whatever reason, not that he will, but if that Mercedes seat becomes available and Merck fix their car, I 100% can see Charles jumping into that Mercedes P1 seat to fight with Russell. Because where else can he go where he can see himself? Carlos, the thing is about Ferrari is that Ferrari built everything around Leclerc, but they don't care about Carlos, even though Carlos is a better driver. That's what I think. But he's not going to win it there. Sergio, uh, I mean, Carlos will happily take that number one seat for Ferrari, but he'll never win championships with them. But if Leclerc can go to a team that's well built enough for him to listen when it's the right time to pit stop, when they're not talking to him mid-fight in a corner to make errors like that, Charles is just going to become someone who was supposed to, but never did.
1: And so many previous Formula One drivers have.
0: Mm-hmm. well on that note i think we do need to wrap it guys thank you so much for chatting to me it has been amazing um i'm very curious to see what happens with all your predictions and matthew's outlandish prediction um but thank you very much for chatting to us and enjoy australia this weekend
2: thank you
1: indeed thanks Korea. thanks matthew chat soon anytime
2: thanks guys